going to bring the announcements at the end of service this morning because I just don't want to interrupt the flow of the spirit that's occurring among us right now. So I'm going to ask the media folks upstairs to go ahead and bring up my message PowerPoint. And as they bring that up, I've already mentioned it, today is a very special day that we set aside to celebrate family. I realize that you chose to be here today. You didn't have to be here, but you chose to. Thank you for choosing to be here today. You could have been anywhere else. Uh, you could have stayed home and watched it on live stream. You wouldn't have, it would have, been, that would have been okay, I guess, in one sense, but you would have missed something because whoever's watching by live stream, they may have felt a little bit, but they did not feel the electricity that's in the atmosphere this morning in worship. But we do appreciate us joining, them joining us by live stream today. So today as I minister to the family, I want you to know that Today, we're celebrating family, but we're celebrating three families in particular. We're celebrating the Browning, the Lesnett, and the Neal households. I put those in alphabetical order. But So the Browning, the Lesnitz, and the, the Neal households have been blessed over the past year. Some, I think, just a little bit over a year, probably close to three years, I think, uh, with some handsome, uh, a handsome young man and two... And two beautiful young ladies. And I'm greatly honored that we get to do this service today. Uh, And because we're making this service about family, we're not going to do children's church today. We're going to ask, we're going to ask all the families to stay in here because I think it's very important, ultimately important, that we experience family together in church. And as I preach this message this morning, I hope that it gives you a little bit greater understanding of the importance of family and the role that family plays in the church and vice versa. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to be turning them to, turn them back in the Old Testament, turn them back into the book of Deuteronomy. And then I want you to uh, also be looking over in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. And uh, as we go to the scripture, I'd love for you to follow along with me. Pam Browning, is this your water or is this my water? It's my water. Okay, I just didn't, no offense, but I just didn't want to drink after you. Uh, <laughs> in an emergency case, I would, but it's not an emergency. If you're here for the first time or if it's been a long, long time since you've been here, Fill out a Connect card, turn it in. We have a special gift at the Connect Center on your way out this morning. Also, uh, you you probably noticed we didn't stop service to lift the offering. Offering is a very important part of worship. Tithing is a very important part of worship. But COVID has taught us something, and we just receive offering as you go out the door now later this evening or this afternoon. So uh, you notice I said this afternoon, so that means we're going to go past... Lunchtime, okay? Don't get alarmed. Uh, but uh, we, we do appreciate your uh, giving. And uh, I, this is not Mission Sunday, but since I mentioned giving, um, Sister Latrissa here in a few weeks, she'll give you the full gist of everything. But I want to tell you something. Last night we had the conference district missions meal here at the church. This church is the third largest missions giving church in the Appalachian Conference. That's 154 churches, and we're the third largest giving among all the churches. Isn't that wonderful? That's because you have a heart to give. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. I want you to notice here there's a division here. It's almost a division between, if you would, adulthood or parenthood and children. These commandments I have given you today are to be on your hearts. Then you see the the charge or you see the the uh the shift here that that the adults are supposed to be imparting because then in verse 7 he says impress them on your children. I want you to think about that. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts, but you are to impress them on your children. Why is, why is that? Why is that? But, well, children are vulnerable, right? Ch- children are easily influenced in so many ways. There's some of some people that I know are 60 years old, and in that sense, they're still children. Some of y'all will get that later. Impress on the impress them on your children. Talk about them while you sit at home. Boy, there's not much of that anymore, is there? Not much eating eating at the dinner table. Anymore at all. Sometimes not much even eating in the living room. Uh, Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Do you see the responsibility here of the parents or the adults, if you would, to impart into the children? That's why children are so important in the home. But not only in the home, but also in the church. He said, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Here, let me, let me, let me give you a very paraphrase. Good old Appalachian mountain region, West Virginia, almost heaven mountain mama translation of that. What, what, what is being said here, what the Word of God is saying to us is whatever we do, wherever we go, whatever we're engaged in, whatever's happening in our life, let's thank Jesus, let's talk Jesus, let's, uh, let's display Jesus, let's be Jesus wherever we go and whatever we're doing in our lives. Jesus is just not on Sunday morning and then we turn him off, you know. And the, you remember the years, years ago when they used to, a lot of churches had coat racks out in the foyer. And it's not something we hang up or put on when we come in the door. Oh, I, I, I feel some preach coming on, but I gotta look, move on to, let's go over to Hebrews in your scripture. Then, then we find in this, in this, this book that's all about faith, and we're saved by faith, we live by faith, we're healed by faith. Everything that occurs in our life as believers occurs by faith. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, he didn't even know about them. He hadn't heard about them. You know something? We've heard about the rapture all of our lives, most of us in this room, but we haven't seen it yet. You're only going to get one chance to see it. I've got news for you. But here's the thing about it. He, When he warned about the things not yet seen in holy fear he built an ark to save his family he built an ark to save his family and by faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith so as we consider genesis in back in genesis we find that god created 
We find in the in the early chapters, in the first and second chapters of Genesis, and Genesis in itself just simply means the beginning, we find that, that God created the heavens and the earth. We've all heard that story. If you ever had Nathan in children's church, I guarantee you he taught it to you. God created the heavens and the earth. Then we find that He created light. And then He created the sky. And He he created the water. And He created the ground. And He created the stars and the planets. And every living thing. And then you find near the end of the week that God created man. And then He had to take a break. He had to take a rest. Man was different. Man is different than any other creation that God had made up to that point or anything that has occurred since. Because this man, man is the only creature that we read about, the only part of creation that we read about that the scripture specifically says that God made in his image. Now all of us know what? You know, we know we all look different. We're all made different. And all, and, and all of us have a, 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 you know, we have a mental picture of what Jesus looks like just because some, some artist from Europe drew it, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But the reality of it is, Jesus looks like you. Jesus looks like the person beside of you. Because, we see, we are created in His image, in His likeness. The animals that were created when Noah, uh, when Noah loaded the ark, it says that Noah loaded the animals each two by two, each after their own kind. You see, we're after the kind. We are after, we are after the image, if you would, of Jesus. Not to be comparing us to dogs, but you know, you got chihuahuas, then you got German shepherds, and you may have a Rottweiler, and you may have your favorite coon dog, you may have just an old feist that's mixed up a little bit of everything, but they're all, they're all dogs, they're all animals of the same kind. You see, so, we're sons and we're daughters of God, if you will, and we're created in the image of God. But what happened is this image that God created ended up being so much different than everything else simply because God breathed His breath, the Spirit, the pneuma of God went into this creation that was made in His own image. And the Bible explicitly says that then that man became a living soul. If you'll notice that the word hum- human or humanity is not used in Scripture. You see, because in Scripture, when God created man, man was his image in completion, in fullness. You see, man only became human whenever Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Because human actually means hewn out of man. In other words, it's not the fullness of man that God wanted mankind to be. When he fell in the garden, when Eve tempted him and, and the serpent tempted Eve and, and the whole, all of, all of what was man fell, then humanity, then mankind became humanity. We're only a fraction of what God intended for us to be. But man is, man, it's evident when we study the early portions of scripture that man was indeed the quote apple of God's eye. And the, and the advancement of the kingdom of God was centered all around his creation, his image that he had breathed the breath of life in that was complete and like nothing even though they failed. 
So in all of the create creativity of God's man, it is considered that God ordained three institutions when he created man. Three institutions were created when God created man. The first institution that God created was the home. Uh, or we're going to use the phrase, we're going to refer to that as family. Listen, God created Adam and then we know he came back and he created Eve out of Adam. She came out of man. This, if you would, constitutes the family. The, the the home unit, the family unit. Then from there, God told them to be fruitful and multiply. All of you young married couples, that is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful advice. Best church growth we can have. Y'all keep having babies. We love it. But the home and the family. It is the first institution that we see come out of that. The family is the institution that God formed out of His original creation, if you would. There are, there are, but few have, ex- of any institution God has created have existed longer than the family. Think about this. The family existed before the Ten Commandments ever did. The family existed before uh, what else can we think of? Anything that we can think of. The family existed because God says to man, be fruitful and multiply. Man existed. I'm going to talk about a couple of other things. And man existed before these next two things I'm going to talk to you about. But there's few things that have existed. We find in Genesis chapter 8 and chapter 9 that it's God's plan for us to be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. You know the vein I'm tempted to go down right there, but I'm not going to do that this morning. He shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Genesis nine and seven said God commanded these created he, that God commanded these created couples to be fruitful and to multiply. So the family is the foundational existence of humanity. For God only created two people without belly buttons, and that's Adam and Eve. Everybody since then's had one because they've been born through birthing. So we find that that humans, humanity now, if you would, we we that constitutes family. God wants us to be together. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with somebody that that is celibate. There's nothing wrong with somebody that never ever gets married. There's 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 nothing wrong with those people. In fact, that you know, we find in in certain circumstances in the New Testament that 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 Paul even refers to it that, that it's better. But the reality of it is, God wants us to be family. But even Paul had family. The second institution that we see uh, that originated out of out of that original moment of creation, if you would, is government. Now, I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans. I'm not. I'm not talking about communists or, or or libertarians. I'm not. I'm not talking about that at all. But what I'm not, what I'm talking about, there is a government that has. There is only one government that has stood the test of all of time. 
You see, the Roman Empire is the oldest government that ever existed and the most powerful government that ever existed on the face of the earth. And even after I think it was 600 years, the Roman Empire fell. The United States, I, I hope it doesn't, but the United States is subject to failure and the more we see happen around us, sometimes the more we believe that. Listen, there is no empire that has ever stood on the earth that has been invincible and uncollapsible except the empire of the King of Kings and the Lord of lords and that's the kingdom of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ and he's established a government that will rule and reign on the, over this earth and when, whenever whenever the prophecy was given that unto this little young maiden girl a savior will be born his name will be Jesus Christ the Lord and the government will be on his shoulders it's a government of moral standard it's a government, government of godly issues and godly matters and the righteousness of God And in this man, in this man and this woman, this family unit, on them laid the responsibility, if you would, of government. You see, government was formed, when we study scripture, government was formed shortly after Noah and his family exited the ark. We find in Genesis chapter 9 that God made it known that every man would give account of his fellow man. In fact, verse 6 said, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God, God has made mankind. So the establishment of morality came early in the, early if you would, in the years of creation. It's the institution of social morality that's based on the Word and the Spirit. And listen to this. It's all opposed to the, to the, to the belief of relativism that is sweeping the world right now. Listen, it doesn't matter what some law gets passed. It doesn't matter what some legislation is being pushed through and, 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 and marked with the ink of a pen. That is not the important thing. Surely we give regards to the law of the land, but I want to tell you something. There is no law of the land that will ever supersede the law of God. There is no law of the land that will ever, ever, ever replace or ever supersede what thus saith the Lord. And I believe what God has said is still true. The things that are considered sin, those things that are abominations, they are still abominations and sinful today because God's government is unchanging. Genesis gives us the outline of that. So we find that the Word of God is the foundation for morality, if you would. In fact, some of our, I think it was one of our, one of our founding, uh, fathers of this nation that we live in, I believe it was John Adams that said, said something along the lines that, that if, if, if we are a people, if we are a nation that is, that is founded on godless principles, we're surely, we're going to collapse. So the Word of God is the foundation for morality. Morality, our government, is given to us for our benefit. The Western world, the Western world that we, that we are very much a part of, we're, we're probably at the, the focal point of the Western world. We have become dependent, listen to me very carefully, we have become dependent on school systems, and the like. We have become dependent on after school programs. We have become dependent on kids sports. Can somebody say amen? 
We, we have become dependent on teachers and principals and, and even bus drivers and, and, and we become dependent on people like that to raise our children. They, in, in, in many, often, many times, they spend more time with our children than anybody else does. But I want you to know the primary responsibility of raising the children comes to the home. It's the responsibilities of mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and cousins and adopted godfathers and godmothers and whoever else it may be. It's the responsibility. Listen, don't you depend on some school teacher raising your child. Don't you depend on some little league coach teaching your child morals and values and the principles of life in a godly manner because you, you as good a people as they be and maybe they're worthy of trust but in reality you should not trust them. You do it. You do it. That's what God told us when we read from Deuteronomy. You take the things that I've put on your heart. You sit around the supper table and you dispense them into your children's life. It's the responsibility of the family to bring the government or if you would the moralities of God into the home. So before there was government, there was family. So we have family, and we have government, and the last or the third one of this triune model, if you would, is the church. God made the family. And we said, following Noah, we see that God instituted government or morality, if you would. And then finally, we see the church. Now, I, I can tell you, I, I'm a churchman. I believe in the church. I, I value the church. I think the value, uh, uh, the value of the church is, uh, is, is really undescribable, if you would. But, but I want you to understand this. The, the church is, is built on the foundation of, of the apostles with the chief cornerstone. The church as we know it. Uh, the scripture, that's what the scripture, that's how it describes it anyway. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles with the chief cornerstone of that foundation being Jesus Christ. But before there was a church, I want you to understand this, there was a family. Okay? Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, so, okay, you're saying if we decide on Sundays rather than go to church, we don't get in the, you know, we're going to hop in the SUV, you know, you say station wagon. But we're going to hop in the SUV and we're going to ride over on the Blue Ridge Parkway and have a picnic every Sunday because family is more important than church. Now you got to understand this. This is all, this is all meshed together. It's all connected together. It's all, all hooked in and linked in. It's a triune model just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a triune model. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. The church's mission has described in scripture is to make disciples. And, and, the, and, the, and the job of making disciples is to teach and train the Word of God. Now certainly we have a responsibility to evangelize. Certainly we have a responsibility to reach people. But, but, but the reality is the, 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 the central mission of the church is to make disciples. Jesus didn't say go out and make Christians. He didn't say go out and make new believers. He said go out and make disciples. But the foundation of our Christian faith needs, not, not saying you can't get saved in church, or you, if you got saved in church, it wasn't, it didn't take, I'm not saying it at all, but listen to me. But the foundation and the basis of the church should start 
in the home. The family. In the family. You see, that's why it's so all important. That so, so we find that family morals in church, and let me tell you, a good old, a good old spirit-filled Baptist lady that I used to pastor a number of years ago, she, she taught a young, smart aleck, hard-headed, Pentecostal preacher this lesson in scripture. Because she walked up to me and, and my, my, my late wife and my son and, and, and you know, it, it, many years ago, again, I was, I was young and, and I have learned that you do, you do know more when you get older than you do when you're young. Okay, you younger ones, I'm sorry, but I used to feel just like you're feeling right now, but I want to tell you this, you are wrong. Okay? And she came up to me, she called me Rev. She didn't call me pastor. She was from up north. She was a Yankee. And she called me Rev. She came up to me and grabbed me one Sunday after church and, and, and she, she grabbed me by my lapel like this and she pulled me over and she said, she said, hey Rev, I want to tell you something. You're not being fair to your family. I was bivocational. I was, I was working a job and I was pastoring the church. She said, oh. She said, Rev, you are not being fair to your family. And I said, sister, you got to understand. I've got this to do, that to do, here to go, there to go. This has got to be done. That's got to be done. I said, you don't understand. I said, I said, the church is, uh, is so important. She looked at me and she said, and don't you just love it when them, them and it, why is it always a woman? She's always right. She looked at me. She said, I know you're my pastor, she said, but I'm a whole lot older than you. She said, and I want to tell you something. Before God ever created a church, He created a family. She said, and you can have all the churches you want to. She said, but if you don't take care of your family, you're not pleasing God. I didn't amen her then, but I can now. I was more of an oh me moment for me right then. Because I realized, and, and I'll tell you, and all the, you know, pastors have struggles just like everybody else, okay? Out of all the struggles that I have as, as being a pastor, and on my own, my own personal, because many times in ministry, your personal spiritual health will fade while you're tending to somebody else. It's sort of like you're giving the cough medicine and while you're coughing your own head off. But the hardest thing for me to keep in tow is, is, is oftentimes, and may, I, I, I probably would assess as being making sure I put my, my, my family, my wife, my son, my grandkids, making sure I don't let the church come before them. Now I know that may be against some of your grain to hear me say that. But what I'm saying to you is this, is before there was church, there was family. Before there was government, there was family. The first thing that God did with creation was make family. And that's why we're here this morning. Somebody, 
I've heard people down through the years, I've heard, oh, you're a pastor, and this was, this wasn't about voice of praise. You're a pastor over there at this, this church over there? Well, that ain't nothing but a family church. That's true. Most churches are families. You see, it's good to have families together in church. And even if you're not blood kin, even if you're, even if you're not related, your skin may be a different color. You may, you may have a different dialect. You could have come from a different part of the world. But when we come together as God's, in God's house, and we come together as the body of Christ, then we are indeed family. And if a church is any church at all, it's a family church. So right now, you're sitting in a family church. It's not a Taylor church. It's not a Morse church or a Browning church or, or, or a Miller church or a Nichols church or a Nestor church or a Clower church. No, it's, it's, it's the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church is about family. We have three candidates this morning to dedicate. We have Master River Cade Browning. Miss Destiny Marie Lesnick and Miss Letty Cora Neal. And what I'm going to ask you guys to do, if you would, uh, is some of you that can, at least the, the couples and the babies, if you'll come and sit over here on this front seat. And then I'm going to ask those that are family that are here with them, uh, if you would uh, prepare to come down and gather among them has they come forward in just a few minutes. So if you guys would move on down here to the front. As we get prepared to dedicate these children again, ordinarily we think about doing it as a baby. And with COVID, you know, we've even been delayed some. But I believe it's still important to dedicate this, this young man and these two young ladies to the Lord, and we just believe that God is just going to do something tremendous in their life. Should He tarry His coming, and they grow, I believe that God is just going to do something, something tremendous in their lives. They may be the preacher. They may be another missionary to raise up out of this church, this community. They may be... Uh, President of the United States. God knows we need one. You know? I shouldn't have said that. Mm. <laughs> but but the, this, young, this young man and these young ladies, it's remarkable what I believe God will do in their lives. It's pretty, pretty fascinating, uh, those of you, and I, I'm sorry if, 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 if I'm if I'm reiterating it too much, my dad passed away uh, January 31st, and I've been out at the house going through some things at the house and, and doing some things. And I came across an envelope of papers the other night, and it had my baptism certificate in it from 1963. I was, I was about two years old, or just not quite to about a year and a half old, from the Episcopal Church. And let me tell you what happened to me, because that's what my family, my family background was Episcopal. And, uh, you know, their first cousin sort of to the Catholic. And, and what they did is they wrapped me up. I've seen pictures of it. They wrapped me up in this little white suit. And, you know, I had a little white hat on and everything. And, and the rector of the church, Reverend Kendall Edwards, he's now passed away, long since passed away. He took me over to that sink, that 
marble basin that still stands actually in the church. I was in there a few years ago for a funeral. And he held me over that church, uh, over that basin, so I'm told, inside that church. And then he took a vial of holy water and sprinkled on me. Let me tell you in that moment what happened to me. I became a wet baby. That's what happened to me. I became a wet baby because it didn't, it didn't seal my destiny to heaven. It didn't establish my relationship with Jesus Christ, but I appreciate that my mother and my dad and people of that church were willing to say, we're praying for this baby and we're dedicating this baby to the Lord in baptism. But these three young men and this young man and these young ladies, they are going to have to someday make a decision for themselves whether they will serve Jesus or not. But I'm trusting and believing what we do here today is going to have a direct impact on the decision that they will make later in life. It's a family service. Parents, I want to ask you, Mike, Katie, Chase, Haley, Bethany, Derek, I want to ask you some questions this morning. Do you today, do you three couples, do you guys recognize that your children are gifts from God? And will you, are you willing to worship Him? Give Him honor and praise for your gift. Okay, I'm looking for nods of the head. Are you willing to dedicate your children to the Lord who gave them to you by resisting all worldly claims and committing them wholly to God? That's a, that's a big, that's a big question. Ask Pam and Scott. Because they're releasing Whitney to go to the other side of the world. Do you commit or do you pledge as parents that with God's help that you will bring your children up in the disciplines and instructions of the Lord? Committing to build the word of God and demonstrate the character of Christ and the joy of the Lord in front of their lives. Will you commit to that? Will you commit to provide through God's blessing for the physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual needs of these children and to love them during all the good and all the bad? And let me tell you, the older they get, the more the bad occurs. Especially after they get past 20. Will you commit to praying for your children? And this is so important. Will you commit to praying for your children not only how, but as now, but as they mature for their safety, their well-being, and for most of all, will you pray for them that they will make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their lives? Will you parents commit to that? Amen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, uh, sort of space out. We'll, we'll try to be COVID friendly. And uh, if Chase and Haley, if you all will go over here to my left, and then uh, Mike and Katie middle, and and uh, and then I want to encourage all the family members that would like to come and gather with them. Photos are welcome.
If you would like to take pictures, this is being streamed live. Uh, and, uh, but we do encourage. And those family members that would like to, Madison, if you'd come to the keyboard, please. I want you to turn around and face me, guys. If you would. And, um, we're going to, we're going to pray and, uh, just believe God. Is this going to minister in every case? I, I appreciate Chase and Haley and big brother Reese. You're the big dude. Big brother Reese and, and River. And, uh, I sort of nicknamed him as he, as he started developing. I, I nicknamed, uh, I've nicknamed River as, uh, Smiley because he smiled all the time. And, uh, you know, he, uh, in these recent months, he's learned to walk and man, he just, he just makes himself home. He just motors around everywhere. But I, pre- I appreciate Chase and Haley. I appreciate you guys, parents. And I appreciate already with Reese. He's alright. He's not gonna hurt nothing. I, I appreciate the, uh, the display of, of parenting that you have already demonstrated with Reese. And I know that you're going to do just as well, if not better, with River as you provide for both of them. And, uh, if you, t- with three, three guys in the house, if you turn prematurely gray, that's going to be okay, Haley. You know. But we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for River and we're going to pray for you all. Reese. Reese, come here a minute. Come here a minute. Come here a minute. Let me show you what, let me show you what I got in this bottle. Look at that right there. I got you. I just want you to join with us as we pray for this family and we dedicate River. Father, right now, as I come to you, Lord, I, I thank you for Chase and Haley, and I thank you for uh, Reese and River, Lord. And today, as we come to you, Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to strengthen this this couple as they parent and nurture these two young men. And, Lord, they bring them up in the... Uh, in the way that you would have them to go, that they would demonstrate, they would share, Lord God, your word with them around the table, Lord, in the living room as they play. Lord, as they're out riding four-wheelers, whatever they do, God, Lord, you're going to just bless them, Lord, in every opportunity to distribute the word of God in their lives. And God, as we, we pray for River right now, God, we're just praying that you will anoint him, Lord, as he grows, Lord. He will grow and he will mature and you will just bless his life in a very tremendous way, Lord. We anoint him with oil this morning, symbolic of your Holy Spirit, knowing that your Holy Spirit is going to abide on him, Lord God. We believe, Lord, that he will never, ever go too far away from your spirit, but you will minister and you will work in his life. Raise him up to be a preacher. Raise him up to be a, 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 a musician. Raise him up, Lord God, to be a witness of the kingdom of God. And Lord, just protect him with all of your love in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, I want you to join with us as we, we pray for, for Miss Destiny and, uh, Katie, I'm sorry you were a little bit blurred when I blew it up. That's the best I could do. There's, there's, that is you. It looks just like you. You know? You ever notice your picture looks like you? You ever notice that? You know? And this family, I tell you, they're just, they're just amazing. Uh, 
there's not anything much that you that we've ever anything at all really you ever asked Michael and Katie to do, and then they're they're not willing uh, to jump right in the middle of it. And and Eli and Penelope, and there she was really quiet for a little while, and now she's she's taken off and she's everywhere. Where's Penelope? You know, she's everywhere. But destiny is uh, destiny. Is, she looks so much like her sister, and she's so sweet too, and she's a little bit shy. But we just want to pray with Katie and Mike, and 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 we just want you to agree with us and the family as we pray and we dedicate destiny to the Lord. Father, I anoint Katie and I anoint Mike and destiny, Lord Jesus. Today, Lord, we believe that, Lord, that you have, uh, you have called them, Lord, to be parents, Lord, and they are doing such a good job, Lord. We appreciate the, the model and the example, Lord, that, that have, has shown through them, Lord God, as they, they're rearing these three children, Lord, this young man and these two young ladies. We just believe, God, that you're doing some tremendous things in their home. And God, today I pray that, that, that destiny, as she matures, Lord, she is going to be blessed with this superb intelligence, Lord. And, 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 and she is going to have a personality, Lord, that is going to reflect you. And she's going to be used mightily by you. Maybe she'll be a dancer. Maybe she'll be a worship leader. Maybe she'll, she'll preach your word or teach your word. She'll, she may be a leader of women or she may be someone that, that ministers to orphans, God. But whatever you choose for her to do in life, God, we believe that your hand is upon her and you're blessing her and you're strengthening Mike and Kate. Lord, as, as they've taken on this task of parenting, Lord, they will grow in you as well. And they will distribute your word among their children, Lord, in their home. Lord, as they drive down the road in their vehicle, Lord, wherever they go, whatever they're doing, God, your love and your word will be distributed among these children. But especially as we pray for destiny today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Change my channel. Bethany and and Derek, this I'll tell you, this couple too has been such a great blessing since coming our way. Uh, they're they're another couple. They'll do whatever. I guess that's something to do with you. You know. Uh, you know, they're, they're willing to do whatever. And sometimes they've got thrown in, uh, makes me think of the scripture. Be, Paul told Timothy, be instant in season, out of season. And they've had to be out of season a few times, but they went ahead with it. And Miss Letty, she loves to dance, she loves to climb trees. Can we spin? We'll spin, we'll spin. Let's spin. Let's spin. She and I love to spin. Let's spin. Let's spin. Now jump back up in mommy's mommy's arms there for just a minute. And she has been such a blessing, I know, to the family, and she's also a blessing to our church, as you all are as well. So today I want you to join with me as we dedicate Letty to the Lord, and we just pray for Derek and Bethany that they're going to be the absolute best parents that they can be in Jesus' name. Fathers, we pray for this couple.
dad and mom. Lord, we believe that you, Lord, bless them with a child knowing that they would be able to be the parents that you would have them to be, God. Lord, as they endeavor to serve you and to raise Miss Letty, God, I pray that there will be an anointing. They will follow you. They will pray. They will seek your face. They will dive into your word. They will pursue you in every way, Lord. God, they will teach Letty around the table, in the car. Wherever they go, they will impart you into Letty's life, Lord God. As she grows, Lord, may may they read those scriptures to her. May they share Bible stories with her. May she understand, Maybe she, may she know, and may she see Jesus through mom and dad. And Lord, I pray for Letty right now. God, I pray that you will continue to bring her up and touch her life and minister to her as she grows. Nurture her. May she grow up as a daughter of God to be a, a teacher of women, a leader of women. Uh, may she sing. May she dance before you in, in, in dances of praise, Lord. Use her in any way, Lord, that you choose. We dedicate her to you right now for your service, for kingdom purpose. And we do so in the name of Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. 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 We have a special little... Uh, gift for each one of you all today. Sarah's, I got oil on my fingers. Miss Letty, Miss Letty, Miss Letty, here is you a brand new special Bible just for you. Okay? Thank you. Let's spin. Miss Destiny, here's you a Bible. Your maybe your very first one. Oh wow, that's good. You need a picture of her with her Bible. And then Mr. River. Mr. River. Mr. River. Mr. River. Mr. River. Here. There's you a brand new Bible. <laughs> and a certificate for mom and dad. Let's give these three families a hand for being with us today.